to me, uh, the sound is a very important part of the picture. It's not just a, uh, an assembly line thing where you sort of cut the picture and then you just dump the sound on later. It's a much more uh, thought out than that. The sound effects in Star Wars are really what gives these fantastic visuals credibility. I've always had the uh, sound designer working on the picture from the very beginning. Ben Burt created the sound for the laser sword that really affected how I approached the laser sword fight. Fantasy like Star Wars uh, requires the complete uh, fabrication of a complete sound world from footsteps to exploding space station. And we just take for granted that these machines, these weapons, these aliens, enjoy your stay. These places are all real. But there always had to be someone selecting or creating the sounds that uh, would be put into the soundtrack. And um, there's a real legacy there. The recordings live on. Jason and this is Gabe and we're talking about the sounds of attack of the clones our continuing out of order series that we've been doing for years on the sounds of Star Wars when you told me that we were going to do this episode I was convinced that we already did it and it took me Multiple days to finally realize that, no, we haven't done Sounds of Attack of the Clones yet. It seems like we would have by now. <laughs> I, I have this whole episode already in my head, I think, and it just runs through my brain at night. I'm like, oh, yeah, that was a good episode we did, but we just haven't got around to it yet. I did that, too, where I went through. I was like, what was our order? And it was Return of the Jedi, then Phantom Menace, then Empire Strikes Back, then A New Hope, now attack the clone. So all we have left after this from the the first six movies is Revenge of the Sith. But this is good. I think someone was saying we they were really happy after the IMAX episode that we were doing more Attack of the Clone stuff. So we're doing more Attack of the Clone stuff. It's always good to go back to. It's an old, it's it's an old friend. We never get tired of talking about Attack of the Clones. We love Attack of the Clones. There's an Attack of the Clones Renaissance happening every single day. Well, and I think this is going to be fun because it is almost, in a way, the sequel to the mystery of the IMAX cut because that was so much the result of Ben Burt's change in responsibilities on Attack of the Clones. And that kind of ties into the sounds of Attack of the Clones because it's Ben Burt, it sounds, but when you talk about Attack of the Clones, Ben Burt was doing so much more than just sound design. He was pretty much the sole editor. He did second unit directing. He was doing all kinds of stuff during that movie. In addition to, with his crew, what, coming up with 540 brand new Star Wars sounds? And I, I just remember, too, like, 
is the webisodes that would come out on StarWars.com leading up to Attack of the Clones, there was just a lot more Ben Burt all the time, which was very much welcome. But I was like, man, Ben Burt is really large and in charge here with Attack of the Clones. It was like George Lucas, Rick McCallum, Ben Burt. It totally makes sense why he was on the motorized scooter and all those behind-the-scenes things, because he had to be everywhere at once. And it makes total sense, too, with... For Attack of the Clones, it was them kind of taking over the Fox Studios in Sydney, Australia. They had a whole little thing built there for the filming of the movie. Yeah, there's even some talk about that, uh, some quotes from Ben Bird from the the book, which, in case you haven't listened to the other Sounds of Episodes, a lot of this is from the incredible, and we say it every time, the Sounds of Star Wars book. Uh, by J.W. Rinsler, which is basically all about Ben Burt and the sounds for the first six Star Wars movies. And it is out of print, but it seems like you can track it down and it plays the sounds. It has a little digital player in it, and it is one of the best Star Wars books ever made. It's In true Ben Burt fashion, it's absolutely insane. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I realized it until years after it came out where I was like, wait... It's got like a little player built into the book where you can play the sounds and the little player has a headphone jack. How many books can say that, that you can listen to this book with headphones while you look at it? (laughs) But in the book, he talks about the studio in Australia and how it was a wonderful experience because they took over the whole studio. And with all the departments there, uh, he says, we were all working on the same film and there was a wonderful family feeling. So... When I watch Attack of the Clones, I want Attack of the Clones to be part of my family. And it sounds like everybody making the movie had the same feelings. But his contributions to Attack of the Clones and the prequel trilogy in general were huge in every way. But I feel like his, his legacy, when, when people talk about Ben Burt and his contribution to Star Wars, it's, it's, it's going to be the sounds. Like, that's the thing people are going to be talking about and dissecting and wondering about and worshiping for years and years and years to come. And there's some amazing stuff in Attack of the Clones, which we're going to get into. I mean, when people talk about Attack of the Clones and their memories of it today, there's a lot of things that are brought up. But you don't hear people talk about the sound work in Attack of the Clones as much as... Maybe in Phantom Menace or, of course, the original trilogy, which is a shame because, like I said, we're going to get into. There's some really, really interesting stuff going on with the sound work in Attack of the Clones. Well, and what's extra cool with this whole thing is because Attack of the Clones was the first Star Wars movie completely digital, shot in digital, edited in digital, audio in digital. And with Ben Burt being there as really the main editor with George Lucas... While they were sitting there editing the picture, Ben Burt being Ben Burt was always thinking of the sound while the visuals were being edited. So possibly more than any other Star Wars movie, this movie was visually edited completely with audio in mind. And that's something he did a little bit on Phantom Menace with the pod race and other scenes of kind of making sure the visuals were cut keeping what the audio was going to do in mind, this whole movie was made that way. And there's a good quote in the book where he says, this way, many decisions about sound were being made way in advance of the final mix. The more trial and error with sound design early on, the better the ultimate relationship between sound and picture. And yeah, in, in Star Wars Insider number 64, which came out shortly after the release of Attack of the Clones, there's a great interview with Ben Burt where there's a quote in here where they're asking him like what what he likes the best between all the things he was doing in Attack of the Clones and his quote in here is sound I love he says but unless it's done under controlled circumstances kind of what George Lucas allows it can be very difficult frustrating job because you're just not given the time to really polish the soundtrack. I don't like the idea of jamming everybody together, 40 editors, and doing it in three weeks. Results might be good, but it's not as satisfying. Yeah, which is interesting for how famous really his legacy is sound design of just how much that, in a way, is tied to the wonderful working relationship 
those two have and that Star Wars would not be Star Wars without his sound work. And he would maybe not be the sound designer he is if it wasn't for George Lucas just letting him go crazy and do all the crazy stuff he does. And I think that is one of the special things about Attack of the Clones, that it is really these two movie-making buddies really just letting each other go crazy (laughs) with what they like to do. (laughs) I mean, it kind of makes sense that Attack of the Clones is maybe the most outrageous of all the Star Wars movies because it is kind of, it's George Lucas unfiltered and Ben Burtt unfiltered, and they're just going off the rails and loving it. It's a crazy clown car, and they're just trading the steering wheel back and forth between the two of them. (laughs) Just rolls down the street. Well, I mean, in the book, the the next paragraph is there's another quote of of him saying, In the privacy of the editing room, George and I could rip things apart, perform experiments with voice, sound effects, and image. And they had the videomatic team nearby, so if they thought of a scene or something they wanted, they would have the videomatic guys previs something and ben even says he had a uh, simple computer program where he could make shots of spaceships moving and he also had the just the cg models of characters that they would just stick in front of background plates when they were doing like i mean it's kind of the like when he did the pod race stuff for phantom menace it's like just him and george lucas goofing around with this new digital technology and making something crazy well, and during the filming of Attack of the Clones, Ben Burt was delegating out work more, which it reminds me of back when we did, I think it was the the sounds of Jedi, where he started to build up the team at Sprocket Sounds and wasn't doing everything himself like he did, in, like a new, especially in New Hope, where he in Attack of the Clones uh, brought in then 16-year-old Benny Burt, his son, and sent old little Benny Burt out looking for sounds in Sydney, Australia. Now Ben Burt Jr. has gone on to do stuff like Black Panther and Jurassic World and Knives Out. And this this little thing called uh, The Mandalorian where he's the sound effects editor. It's that Burt family and his daughter was the voice of the Sando Aqua Monster. So I can't stay away. And someone with a... A rising role in all of this, of course, was Matthew Wood, who during the filming of Attack of the Clones was really going out and recording all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it seems like Matt Wood was really moving up in Attack of the Clones and had a much bigger role in the production than in Phantom Menace. And because of Ben Burt's other responsibilities, a lot of the location recording for new sounds went to Matt Wood. And in addition to Matt, we had sound effects editors... Teresa Ecton and Bruce Lacey, who had the fun job of doing a lot of the actual putting the sound effects in the movie and coming up with all the goodness mixed together that we hear. There's some great clips of them in the wonderful documentary films aren't released, they escape. And also we can't forget uh, the contributions of re-recording mixer Gary Rydstrom, who you might know as the director of Strange Magic. I think this is one of my favorite things in the whole book about him talking about Attack of the Clones. When they got into Reel 6, which is the the big action part of the Star Wars movies, this one was so enormously dense that it was as if you had taken the previous four Star Wars movies and projected them on top of each other. It really is. We what was it our hundredth episode when we did a commentary for all six Star Wars movies on top of each other. That's pretty much like listening to the the arena battle in Attack of the Clones. <laughs> and we gotta say too, the films are not released; they escape. Is a wonderful, wonderful documentary, and it is on Disney Plus. It's on the extras for Attack of the Clones. So you can watch it on Disney Plus, and it is absolutely fascinating. And you get to see Ben Burt riding his scooter around the halls of Skywalker Ranch. And at one part, an elevator door opens up, and Ben Burt comes flying out in his scooter. You got to watch it. It's got some great George Lucas stuff. It's, it's all about the sound of Attack of the Clones. It's a wonderful, wonderful documentary, and it is on Disney Plus. You can never forget the part where you see the Foley artist's recording the sound effects for all the kissing scenes by kissing their arms. It's totally worth your time. 
Ben, you're sweating. <laughs> Is that an elbow kiss or a forearm kiss or? That USC as a, as a, as a student, film student, mm -hmm. and I went out to the Universal Studios where George Lucas had his office at that time. Okay. It was a bungalow. I started with the Wookiee. I, I read the script. Uh, I went through and marked everywhere, underlined where there would be a sound effect. Yeah. And I noticed that there was tons of oh, yeah. things in it, Wookiees and uh, Jawas and laser guns and Darth Vader and so on. And uh, so I went back and asked them, well, do you want sounds for all of these yeah. things? And they said, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. And just began a, uh, a uh, expedition to gather things. That's how that's how it started. That's how the library started. Yeah. Which, what do we have today? How many shots? There's, there's almost a million sounds in our library now. But this a million? Is, yeah, 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 yeah. So and you're, I you're did about nine hundred ninety-nine thousand. Inception of that. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Okay, so let's get into it. Let's get into the sounds of Attack of the Clones, at least the ones like that are in the incredible J.W. Rinsler Sounds of Star Wars book. Gabe, what is our first sound from Attack of the Clones? All right, the first sound is the Royal Starship. All right, let's listen to that. Sweet, sweet music. Sweet, sweet music to my ears. Attack of the Clones is, yeah, is definitely, is it the movie with the biggest sound for the opening? I mean, I guess the original movie has the ship flying overhead, but it doesn't have that gut rumble like the uh, the Royal Starship. Remember how low frequency <laughs> that was in the theater? Like, it, yeah, major seat rumble, and you're just like, oh, this is good stuff. This is what we're in for. You shake your guts. When I go see a Star Wars movie, I want it to shake my guts. They were like car shows where they're doing like the contest for their, their subwoofers in their cars and everybody's just playing the Royal Starship from Attack of the Clones. <laughs> the doors are falling off the trunk of their car. <laughs> so according to Rinsler's book, Benbert says that's a dragster truck. Not a normal dragster, a dragster truck that Matt Wood recorded. He says, we had a lot of leftover stuff from the pod race. Among them was this dragster truck shifting gears. Uh, he says, it had a great, deep, rumbling, oscillating sound to it, which I slowed down a bit to make it even deeper. Starting out, Attack of the Clones with the deep, the deep, deep bass. Letting you know you're about to watch a deep, deep movie. Attack of the Clones, it, first it crushes your guts, and then it crushes your heart. It's <laughs> That should be on... Um, the Blu-ray box. <laughs> Blast points. Okay, what do we have next? All right, next is Zam Wessel's sniper rifle. That's crazy sounding. That's, that's wild. So this, it says, is from an antique 45 to 70 caliber Springfield rifle. The same type that General Custer's men used at Little Bighorn. Which Ben recorded at Skywalker Ranch. Naturally. <laughs> I would not have thought that that was a real gun. So that's one of those things where it's like the fake gun is actually a real gun. I don't know if we needed the detail about General Custer and all that, but <laughs> whatever. If that's uh, that's the way you want to go, okay. I guess. Uh, these movies aren't just for fun. They're, to, they're for learning. <laughs> <It's>, uh. <laughs> all right. Let's, let's move on. What do we have next? All right. So next we are sticking to the Zam Wesselness, and this is Zam Wessel's airspeeder. Ben Burt actually recorded this in Phantom Menace when you took off your shirt. That was the sound you made. <laughs> yeah, that, that's and that's the truth. When I passed out in the lobby after watching Phantom Menace for the first time, which is true. That's the sound I made going down. I just, I just got to lay down for a second. Uh, 
It's <laughs> it's funny because it's true. I almost don't want to say the real the real thing, but the real thing is really good for this one. We have to know. We have to know. So this is a this one is crazy. The description starts out with the howl of Zam's speeder was produced with an old electric guitar. All right, that's crazy enough. We're going to keep getting crazier. Ben Burt says, I play drums in a church band. <laughs> All right. Keeping the crazy going. Okay. I didn't know Ben Burt played drums, and I've read this book multiple times. <laughs> did you know that? No, I, I did not. No. All right. But he asked his friend, guitarist Dave Weaver, to make the sounds for me one day after practice. He says he chopped the sound up with a synthesizer program and ran it through an old-time spring reverb system. So he says the idea was to produce a sound as if Zamspeeder were not rocket-powered, but ran on some sort of magnetism, perhaps in a field produced by the automatic Coruscant traffic control. Naturally. So the description is as outrageous as the sound. And we can't forget in the score of that, the, the, the blowing people's minds that suddenly in a John Williams score, there was like that electric guitar, which remember when the movie came out, there was the rumor that it was Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> there were just guitars everywhere in this, this Coruscant chase part. I remember it was all blending together. Like, what am I hearing? Is that Zam Speeder or is that Eddie Van Halen just shredding? See, this description keeps getting crazier, though, because he talks about how he had ideas for the whole airspeeder chase where he wanted to make use of even more musical instruments. He says guitars, cellos, violas. And he says, once again, he uses electric razor to vibrate the strings on the instruments. And he was basically trying to do something where all the sounds were musical instruments for the whole chase. But once John Williams' music came in, he says it was too much of a conflict with the orchestra. <laughs> if you think George Lucas is weird, so is Ben Burt. Ben Burt's maybe, maybe weirder. I don't know. You could debate that. <laughs> that's a debate. Yeah. Who's weirder, Ben Burt or George Lucas? Pick a side now. That's why we love them. I want to hear Zam Weasel's speeder sound one more time. <laughs> I love that so much. All right, let's move on. <laughs> so next we are moving on to the asteroid chase. And the first sound is the Slave One ship flyby. Just keep it going. Keep it going. Just play that on loop all day. <laughs> Well, the crazy thing now, if you have an electric car, that a lot of electric cars have fake engine sounds so that like pedestrians can hear you. At some point in the future, we'll probably be able to put whatever engine sound we want and you can just make your car sound like the Slave One or Zam Wessel's speeder. <laughs> Here I come, everybody. <laughs> I can't. Oh, I can't. We're supposed to be talking about the Slave One. We're back to Zam speeder. <laughs> okay, well, so Slave One, was it different than the Slave One sound in Empire? That's what we want to know. He says, I expanded the library of sound for Slave One in clones because the ship did a lot of new things. I used the sounds from Empire as a foundation and made new sounds that would connect with the old. All right, so it's a little bit of a tweaked version of the the original stuff he did for Empire, which was, it was so cool in The Mandalorian in the Robert Rodriguez episode, Tragedy, the Bee Gees episode, where Mando looked up to the sky and you just heard that, like, yeah. <laughs> the Slave One sounded like his mufflers hanging out, just flying through the sky. I remember just watching that episode being like, uh-oh, here we go. This sounds like Star Wars. So what do we have next? Next we have the heat-seeking missile. <laughs> You're listening to that, you can almost hear Daniel Logan. Fire! Well, that's what's so great is, yeah, we're not watching the movie and we're not listening to the music. We're literally hearing one sound effect from one scene and I can picture the whole sequence in my head just from that sound. And they don't give 
really any specifics for that one. There's just a quote from Matthew Wood about, he says, Ben's really good at giving these things life. And he says, when those missiles pass on by screen, he makes them seem like they're alive. Very, very true. That's the magic of the whole thing. They're not just missiles. They're a whole story being told to your ears. (laughs) All right. Next, we have the Slave One Laser. Like that, to me, almost sounds like Boba Fett's blaster, too. Maybe I'm wrong. Could be. I just think about that scene and how many blaster shots there are, and it just seems like it's ridiculous how many times he fires, but compared to the end of the movie, there's really not that many blaster shots. (laughs) Like, it's just warming you up for the finale of the most blaster shots you'll ever hear at one time. So this next one is really weird. Because what it's called in the book, Ether Explosion or Space Ether Explosion. And let's listen to it and let's talk about what this sounds like. Now that, to me, sounds like the Geonosian weapon thing. It does a little bit, but I wouldn't be surprised if the basis for this is is used in other things because there is a long history with the space ether explosion just naturally as there is (laughs) because we talked about this i think a little bit in the sounds of a new hope episode that way back on the original movie he did these experiments that he called space ether explosions and he was trying to make very stylized sci-fi space explosions that sounded i don't know like they were gooey or something like And they were two out there, and George Lucas didn't like them at the time, but he kept trying to bring them back, and Attack of the Clones was the movie that they made sense. And another, I think, variation on the space ether explosions was the basis for hit single number one with a bullet sound effect from Attack of the Clones, the seismic charge explosion. Which, yeah, every, everybody's favorite. People have dedicated their whole lives to the, the seismic charge sound. But it, it's, yeah, it's wild to think that if Ben Burt was just left to his own craziness, what, like a new hope would have had just like gooey like <laughs> sounds or things, stuff going on. And George Lucas was just like, no. Too wild for me. I can't handle that. The the seismic charge is crazy. Well, and it does so many different crazy things. And it's another one where there's like, there's layers to the nuttiness because the one thing is in order to make it seem bigger, he put a few seconds of absolute silence before it. And in addition, when the actual sound happens, it's after the visual happens, trying to mimic real life when when lightning flashes you see the lightning and then the thunders you know afterwards because light moves faster than sound so it's like this mixture of this crazy sound and the silence and then the delay from the visual to the sound that makes it seem like it's real but it doesn't you've never heard that sound before that it just all works together it's fun to think too how that is the influence for the the iconic shot in last jedi too where the movie goes completely silent during the explosion. It sounds like the same sort of thing where when you would go see last Jedi and there was the piece of paper on the wall that said there's silence in the movie. Don't be surprised. He mentions in here that he got notes from when the films were getting, I think when they were getting printed for, to go out, like they got notes, like, you know, there's no, the the soundtrack drops out at this point in in the movie. Like they thought it was a glitch in the book. They ask him what, the seismic charge boing, is right. And it's, he's not telling. No, we'll never know. That's a Ben Burt secret. He doesn't keep a lot of secrets, but that's one of them. They talk about too, the big George Lucas's reaction to the seismic charge sound, right? When they were like reviewing, like, Hey George, I've got a bunch of, I got some finished stuff here for you. And they played, yeah, the, the asteroid chase and it's classic George Lucas. 
<laughs> okay, fine. Next reel. <laughs> but there is the part they say after that sound went in that they changed the script from sonic charge to seismic charge and that they had Ewan McGregor re-record his line. And in the movie, his mouth says sonic charge, but you hear him say seismic charge. Which I went, after I read that, I went and rewatched it and you can totally tell. It's kind of, I never thought, because you're still just like so excited because you just like, oh, I just want to hear the sound. And George Lucas was not impressed. He just wanted to move on to the next reel. It's like, I got to go check on my wish plants. Let's hurry this up. Ben, you don't make any more sounds like this or I'm going to turn you into a pile of leaves. So, all right, we got to move on. Next sound, the one, the only, the wonderful Watt Tambor speaks. The Techno Union Army is at your disposal count. It's, it's, it's the extended remix. It's the club mix, the 12-inch mix. It's, it's not the Watt Tambor you're going to hear on the radio. <laughs> you got to get the full album. To get that mix. You're only going to hear this at the club. (laughs) I've never heard this mix before. So like everything else in this movie, this sound in this whole scene was going to be even more ridiculous too. He says uh, the original gag was going to be him talking. There was going to be more dialogue. And it says the comedy came from the idea he was having trouble with his voice. He wants a deep bass bad guy voice but it keeps jumping up to squeaky high pitched and he has to adjust it and it says they use the synthesizer that could make vowel sounds and you could adjust it and the best here is uh matt wood says uh ben's voice is watt tambor and mixed with the synthesizer but matt wood says they called it the sylvester stallone filter because it can just make a iou sounds (laughs) oh boy all right. <laughs> it all makes sense now. I'm never going to hear or look at Watt, Watt Tambor the same way again. Ben Burt as Stallone by way of a synthesizer, which is the story of his life. So far, it's the closest we're ever going to get to Stallone in a Star Wars movie. I don't know. There's still time. There's still time for Stallone in Star Wars one day. Well, you know, Stallone is a writer. He's a director. He's an actor. Ben Burt, he's a writer. He's a director. He's an actor. Does that mean Watt Tambor, in his spare time, is a writer and a director and an actor in the Star Wars universe? I hope so. I think so. Let's listen to Zam Weasel's speeder again one more time. (laughs) Okay, moving on. All right, next sound is the Geonosians themselves. sound of love in the documentary you get to hear george lucas give a rough version of this sound (laughs) out of his mouth you know it needs to be more like chattering you know like like crying (laughs) and that kind of stuff not this kind of borrow that microphone for a second. <laughs> uh, Matt Wood is quoted in here saying, "I recorded the mating calls of penguins as they came back from the Antarctic to Little Phillip Island in Melbourne. Other sounds came from when I was up in the rainforest." He says he was in a flying fox habitat, and it says one of them had a banana, but the other one wanted some of it, so they started fighting. So he says, the Geonosians were a combination of mating penguins and fruit bats fighting over a banana. Naturally, Matt Wood, we love you. Matt Wood, owner of a Blast Points t-shirt. Does he ever wear it? (laughs) Nobody knows. (laughs) Nobody knows. Thank you for the Geonosians and all of your hard work, Matt Wood. Up next, they say he's the lesser, but he's the greater to us. Poggle, the lesser, his whole speech. Here we go. Amazing. He's a poet. It's inspiring, really. 
like his words. So I think we went into this a little bit. If you happen to listen to our Hardware Wars episode a few years back, because helping out Ben Burt with this craziness is his old buddy Ernie Facilius, who directed the the classic parody Hardware Wars. They worked on this together. Um, ben Burt says Ernie's a genius and a talented mimic. He's done many voices for me over the years. And for this, they used an old idea of Ben's where he would record the dialogue, play it back backwards, learn how to say it, how it sounds backwards, then record that. And I think they and just keep doing that until it gets crazier and crazier. As normal people do every day, that's just a completely yeah. normal thing that everyone does all the time. Well, and he was doing this in high school, too. So this was like, you know. What all the teenagers are doing. Yeah, he says he, he tries for a story about Martians that he what he says he made like a tape of it. So it was like was was Ben Bird doing like an audio drama about Martians in high school? Yes, he was. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I liked him. Yeah, I'm gonna go add that to my list hanging on the wall of all the reasons I love Ben Bird. <laughs> but basically, yeah. He did that with Ernie Facilius. He says they were laughing themselves silly. And then they mixed that with vocal clicks and Ernie blowing on the edge of a piece of paper to get the buzzy sound. And he ends this description with, I really love Poggle the Lesser, as we all do. And a talking insect was something I'd wanted to do for a long time. Ben Burt's dreams coming true. <laughs> talking insects. Finally bringing his Martian high school radio drama tape onto the big screen. All right. Up next is our good friend, The Reek. It's it's another one that you hear that and you can instantly see the scene. So with the monsters in Attack of the Clones here, it sounds like because this sequence was kind of constantly evolving... And the monster fight originally had a full score of music. And when that was dropped, uh, he says music had been end to end in the reel, but we thought that it wore the audience out too quickly. So we dropped a couple of cues and it meant he had to rethink the sound design. And it goes on to say, because of the time constraints, most of the sounds behind the creatures are legacy animals from the library that they repitched, cut and rearranged to make the sounds. This next one here, the Acklay. He says it's mostly a dolphin for the clicks and chirps. And then here is the Nexu. Which I hope someday I can just have a car that sounds like the Nexu. It's pulling up to the stoplight. Somebody can pull up next to you with Zam Wessel's speeder. <laughs> so in re-watching films are not released, they escape. Earlier this week, I went down a black hole of craziness. Star Wars Ben Burt sound craziness, where they're they're talking about that thing about how originally all the monsters coming out had a complete John Williams score, which if you if you look on YouTube, like those maniacs that have like compiled like a the complete unedited score of Attack of the Clones, there's a track on there called Entrance of the Monsters. You can play it and kind of cue it up to when the, the score drops out right after the love pledge with I Truly Deeply Love You. And it kind of matches up. And it's crazy because you listen to Entrance of the Monsters, and there's a lot of bits in it that were recycled later in the arena battle. So you listen to it, and you're like, oh, yeah, this is an Attack of the Clones. But it's not at that same moment that perhaps it was originally intended. But then in Films Are Not Released, They Escape, Ben Burt is talking about how the droid factory was originally intended to be 
like what we talk about in these sound episodes all the time, like a Ben Burke kind of showcase. And they play a clip on the monitors of him and like, I think Lucas watching the Ben Burke version of the droid factory. What do you think about this? It's <laughs> well, a tough one. I just don't think the percussion is strong enough to withstand what's going on in there. I think yeah, we should just alternate. replace the, the uh, percussion part with effects. If you think about it, like that makes total sense why the Droid Factory, like we always talk about, has the craziest like cut-and-pasted music from Phantom Menace and later in Attack of the Clones and Yoda's theme is playing like when Anakin is on the conveyor belt and it's all it's all crazy. But then yeah, so the arena was chosen as the trade-off as the the Ben Burt kind of sound collage, sound mania, Ben Burt showcase. And we want to do something here where we're going to play you the clip of just the arena scene from Attack of the Clones. Just listen to it. Like, close your eyes. Don't close your eyes if you're driving or if you're at work, if you're doing something dangerous. But if you're just listening at home, chilling out, just listen to the insanity that is going on here in this clip. got a bad feeling about this. What? There's like that boom, 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 and like a horn. The only thing I compare it to is like the, the speeder bike chase in Return of the Jedi, how musical the sound effects in that scene is. Well, it's interesting, too, because I think it's in, in the documentary. And films aren't released, they escape. He kind of talks about how he ended up using those percussive and instrument sounds as like a response to the to the monster action. So it's like the monsters do something and then the crowd is beating the drums or the crowd is you know playing a horn because they're so excited watching all the action unfold and just thinking, you know, somewhere in the crowd, there's a, there's a flying bug person like playing a trumpet <laughs> because they're so excited about monsters. But it's kind of the, the beautiful thing with the star Wars movies where that is such a crazy soundscape of a scene, but because we're looking at these wild monsters coming out, you can watch attack the clones 50 times and you're just sucked into what you're watching and hearing, and it's the marriage of both of these things kind of combining. And you're just like, oh, yeah, that's the sound the Reek makes and the Nexu and the Accolade. Yeah, of course. And, of course, there's probably some flying bug playing a trumpet. I don't need to see it because I know it exists in this crazy thing I'm watching here. It would be weirder if I didn't hear a trumpet. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. It's cool, and it ties into uh, – I can't, at this point, I don't remember. I think it's in the Rinser book where – or it was in the Insider article where he talks about, you know, keeping the consistency of sound through all the movies. And he talks about how maybe it's just because he's worked on all of them and they're kind of his tastes and his kind of weird eccentric tastes for sound and sound design are what keep all the Star Wars movies feeling like Star Wars and sounding like Star Wars. At least the first six are like, it's his choices, really. And if you're going along for the ride all these years, it just it just sounds right. And it never seems like what else would it be than than drums and trumpets and Zam Wessel speeder. <laughs> it's just it's natural. It's all natural. So, well, and we can't forget some extra little tidbit here. This has been. We've both had this book forever now, and there's a caption about some photos about the arena that we did not catch this before, and it just blew our minds, and we're going to share it with you. On set, uh, we said, you know, Ben Burt was filming some second unit stuff. 
But in this caption, it's it says, Ben Burt's working with the second unit crew and Django's stunt double on a series of shots in the Geonosian arena. Originally, Order 66, a secret directive initiating the slaughter of the Jedi, was intended for Episode 2. What? Burt therefore staged and recorded many scenes of Django assassinating Jedi Knights during the arena battle and other mayhem. But Lucas later decided to put Order 66 in Episode 3. What? Huh? (laughs) What's that? (laughs) Uh, I guess you should read the captions of the pictures in these books because uh, Attack of the Clones was supposed to have Order 66? How is that supposed to work? And Django was going to be killing Jedi? I, that is a bit of a puzzler. That is... All I can say is... Yeah, that's uh, a lot of questions. There's a lot of questions around that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We we got to move on. We got to keep going. All right. Next sound in the list, the Republic gunship. What are, we, what are we hearing there? Yeah, so it is a sound recorded by Matt Wood, who traveled to Nosfield in Novato, California, which is, it sounds like, fairly close to Skywalker Ranch. And he recorded the sounds of a Vickers Vimy, which is a World War II biplane, basically the world's largest biplane. And basically, he just recorded everything he could with that plane flying around and a mixture of that became the main elements of the gunship. Which now with Clone Wars has just become such an iconic kind of Star Wars sound, like a very, I'd say an underrated iconic Star Wars sound. Like You hear it on Clone Wars all the time. Yeah, it's almost like the TIE Fighter sound in a way where it's a sound, the ship sound you hear the most. Yeah, that's true. And to the point where it's, you just don't even think about it. Oh, Star Wars is on. I hear it. All right, moving on. Where are we going next? We are full on in the climax of the movie. We are on Geonosis and stuff is happening. And it's the clone trooper blasters. Yeah, to me, that sounds like some pretty classic Star Wars blasters of Ben Burt hitting an electric wire classic kind of thing. Yeah, according to the book, they were pretty much modified library effects uh, in addition to the blasters. Also, the lightning sound uh, from Count Dooku was another legacy effect that was just kind of remodified for Attack of the Clones. Let's hear that. And then going into our last sound, which is some of the sounds during the lightsaber battle. That one, before we get to it, he says it's another kind of legacy one. But he says, in the hangar at the end, we did a lot of strange squeals and echoes. He says, each time the sabers disengaged from each other, there was a kind of shrieking as if they were voices, almost like ghosts screaming. Oh, my goodness gracious. All right. Well, let's hear that. All right, all right, if you say so, Ben Burt. <laughs> There's another really interesting quote from Matt Wood here about this sequence. Um, not exactly. Related to sound, but kind of related to the sound. He says that it was our first lightsaber battle that was really dark. And he says, I think Ben wanted to accent it with weird sounds, the audio equivalent of the dark side of the force, because Anakin is not completely good while he's fighting Dooku. Hmm. Let's listen to that again. I think you can actually kind of hear that. All right. Yeah, let's hear that again. All 
Yeah, I mean, if you think about other lightsaber battles, like you think of like the the Empire Strikes Back or, or Luke and Vader, or even going into like Force Awakens or the the sequel trilogy with Rey and Kylo, that does sound darker, doesn't it? It almost like it makes me think of just the way Kylo Ren's lightsaber sounds. Like his lightsaber sounds like that duel. <laughs> So that is it. There are not a lot of sounds in the book, unfortunately, out of the 530 sounds they created. I think Ben Burton, J.W. Rinsler, when they wrote this book, knew that the human body can only handle so much Attack of the Clones before it explodes out of excitement, and they kept the sounds to a minimum. Well, you know, Attack of the Clones was a huge leap forward in every single way. And it was Star Wars and Lucasfilm continuing to push the boundaries of what was possible. Well, kind of like we said in the beginning, Ben Burt was there right in the front of this charge to to push technology to the next level where you know they were pioneering digital cinema. What they started with Phantom Menace with digital characters was taken to the next level, especially with Yoda. The sound work in Attack of the Clones, as as we've said in this episode, was right there going forward, pushing it to the next level. And like we talked about all through this episode and all through the sound episodes before, the sound and picture marriage in Star Wars that Ben Burt and George Lucas created. It's, you know, even though we don't know what to what extent Ben Burt is the we we, we hear he's still doing stuff on the ranch and how Skywalker sound, but you don't see his name in the credits as much as we would like, as others would like, but his legacy can still be felt. Whether it's Ben Burt Jr., his son working on The Mandalorian, Matthew Wood, all over the place doing everything, that Ben Burt spirit lives on. Very, very, very clearly. You can hear it in everything Star Wars that comes out. Yeah. Star Wars has a signature sound almost more than it has a signature look. If you think about, you know, with the newer films and the TV shows, kind of how they've stretched out a little bit on what a Star Wars film looks like. I don't know that they have stretched out or we ever will stretch out as much in what a Star Wars film sounds like because so much of what makes it feel like that universe is the way things sound and the way things sound are the way Ben Burt heard them, and that is as much Star Wars as anything. Even the scores can change, like we we saw with Mandalorian, the the introduction of Ludwig's score, kind of moving away from some of the more traditional John Williams stuff. But yeah, like you said, I don't I don't see the unique, weird Ben Burt soundscapes and unexpected little strange noises and bugs blowing in horns. I don't I don't see that ever that that spirit ever going away. That yeah, that formula that that is like the magic foundation of what makes Star Wars Star Wars, and it's like the KFC's eleven herbs and spices. Like you can get a different chicken, but you need you need that that crunchy coating to make it taste right. what you do in the movie industry your best preparation is to learn many other things that may have nothing to do with film that is a liberal arts education you know learn you know learn to write learn some things about history maybe maybe some electrical engineering certainly some science and so on i found that uh, i went through school i didn't know whether i had no plans to ever end up in the movie industry so i was just taking courses of all different types of things because i didn't know what direction i was really going to go the uh, performing arts especially motion pictures uses every discipline 
and you find that if you become an expert in something or knowledgeable about something to the point where you develop a unique viewpoint as an artist, that then you can bring that to your film work. And if that's film sound, you can bring that to your, your film sound, you know. It's one thing to study these disciplines uh, in editing or sound or filmmaking in school, but I would never limit myself to that. I would, I would go way outside that and draw in other things because you'll find eventually that your value as a, an artist uh, in terms of employment is um, connected with who you are and what your, your creative viewpoint is. Episode 2 is the must-see film of the summer. Now, relive the excitement. Hold on! Relive the adventure. Relive the fun. All over again. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. what folks apple podcast reviews if you are listening on some kind of apple thing when you're done listening we'd love it if you went over there and wrote a little something nice about blast points not only does it help the show move up in apple's bizarre charts if people look up star wars podcasts helps people find blast points but we love reading them it brings warm feelings to our heart and we promise one day soon we're gonna read your reviews in an upcoming episode And make sure you check out our website, BlastPointsPodcast.com, which has the handy search feature, which I actually used to try to see if we already did a Sound of Attack of the Clones episode. (laughs) And that's how one of the ways I realized we did it, because when I searched for it, it was not there. And after that, make sure you're following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And we say it every week, if you are on Facebook, you need to be in the Super Chill group. It is the place to be. We just had the return of Jedi Club. Last week, we watched Caravan of Courage, and it was wonderful. Yes, yes, it was. It really was. And there will be more Jedi Club in the future, more Saturday Night Watch-Alongs. And if you want to support the show in a different way, we've got the Blast Points Army on Patreon, where we are inching our way through the episode one documentary the beginning covering 10 minute chunks of it we got an episode on minutes 20 through 30 coming this month and next month on the blast points army is going to be a whole lot of bad batch going on over there but that about wraps up episode number 262 here of blast points sounds of attack of the clones the magic ben burt we'll never get tired of talking about it no Never. (laughs) And we got to give a shout out to the listener working at the Five Guys in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I was wearing my Blast Point shirt, and he's like, that's my favorite Star Wars podcast. And I was like, you know, really? What? So, yeah, if you're listening, employee at the Five Guys in Ann Arbor, thank you. You made my night. (laughs) This one's for you. All right, everybody. We'll be back next week. (laughs) Bye-bye. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you. Star Wars uh, was 
the big boost, uh, the door that opened for my career. And I owe it to George Lucas and all the imaginative um, artists that contributed to those films that made the sound, be the sound became a part of that, which is now sort of folklore almost. Um, and it, it gave me a backbone for a whole career. Made a 